are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. I'm so glad that you guys are with us here in the church this morning, as well as those who are watching with us online, who are worshiping with us online, because everyone who is hearing my voice right now, this message is for you. Doesn't matter if you're older, younger, a newer Christian, older, more mature Christian, man, woman, doesn't matter. Everyone needs to hear this message today. And that's not my opinion. When we go through the text, you will actually see why this is applicable to each and every one of us. So if you would, please open up your Bibles to Titus. We're going to be looking at chapter 2, the first 10 verses today. So just to kind of bring everybody up to speed, what we're doing in this current series is we are in the book of Titus. This is Paul's letter to Titus, an apostle to a pastor, or really pastor to a pastor, encouraging him, saying, Titus, I want you to keep up the good fight. You're doing good, but here's a couple of things to encourage you. And so we've looked at the first chapter. That took us a couple of weeks to, to get through just because we had talked about the book of Titus is pretty much like drinking orange juice from concentrate. If you guys remember that, it's very, very potent in just three short chapters. So we've looked at kind of the, the background of, of Titus and why he was writing this letter. Paul encourages him to go and appoint elders in every city there in Crete. It was an island out there in the Mediterranean. And then we talked about last week the, the task of the elders, but also the fact that there are false teachers out there and kind of what that, um, those false teachers look like. And what Tom did was he asked a very, very poignant question. Are you following God's will or are you following self-will? So that was our question last week, and it's good. I, I hope that you had a chance to meditate on that because it is a very, very good question that we need to continually ask ourselves. It doesn't matter how much of a Christian you are, asking yourself that question often really kind of forces us really to be humble in that. So that leads us to chapter 2, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. The first 10 verses we're going to look at as kind of one unit. And like I said, each and every one of us have a part to play in what we're about to read. So in other words, when we leave here today, each and every one of us, we will have our marching orders. Meaning when we go out to our jobs, our schools, our neighborhoods, we now have our marching orders. So I encourage everyone to pay attention to this. So we're going to be looking at the qualities of a sound church. But again, what is the church? Is it this building we have here in Tawnytown? Nope. Raise your hand. You are the church. So when we look at this, we think of what does a sound church look like? It is looking at ourselves and looking at our families because that's the first missionary field is our families. Amen? All right. 
So let me go ahead and just read through the first 10 verses, and then what we're going to do is we're going to go back and we're going to unpack it, and then I want to give you three uh, main points to really kind of drive this point home. So let's look at Titus chapter 2, starting in verse number 1. It says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. And by the way, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. So verse number 2, it says, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. So there's a whole lot there. I I get that. But what we're going to do is we're just going to go back. I want to look at just a few key verses here to help us understand this passage better. But then what we're going to do is we're going to look at, okay, really, this is great stuff, but what does this mean to me? So Let's go back to to verse number one. This is the purpose why Paul is addressing this in chapter two. He says, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. So in other words, show yourself as an example, not just your actions, but also by the word as well. So again, this is Paul writing to Titus, this young pastor who was up against a very, very difficult culture in Crete at the time. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, that the Cretan people, like he said in in chapter 1, I believe it was verse 13, um, or verse 12, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. That's who Titus was in charge of pastoring. So Paul is writing this saying, okay, I know you're up against a a very, very difficult thing, but here's what you need to do to keep going. That in verse number one of chapter two, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Now, I like how the New Living Translation translates verse number one. It says, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. That's simply put, that's what this is talking about. So again, what's happening here is you have Paul encouraging Titus, apostle to pastor. Titus then to the elders. Remember, Paul encouraged him, go appoint elders, but they need to have certain criteria. So Paul to Titus, Titus to the elders, Titus and the elders to the people. So let me read that again in the New Living Translation. Promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. So that's kind of what we're looking at. Now, the men, I'm going to talk to you for just a second. Let's look at verse number two again. That older men should be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, 
love, and in patience. That is the job of the men. In other words, men should exercise self-control in all areas. Live like you are worthy of respect. Now, I'm going to say this at the end as well. We are looking for personal holiness, not perfection. Because if you are perfect, sitting out here in this crowd or watching with us online, I don't know what you're doing. You're messing up the curve here because all of us are imperfect, right? The only perfection out there is Christ. So daily, what we're doing is we are striving for that holiness, that personal holiness. That's for the men. Verse number three is talking to the women. It says, the older women, likewise, meaning everything that we just listed for the men, likewise. And then you also have some other things here. So verse number three it says, older women likewise, that they would be, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, nor given to much wine. Now, what's interesting is that word slanderers really means diabolical. So it says, don't be a slanderer, nor given to much wine. In other words, don't gossip, which my opinion only Wine and gossip kind of go hand in hand. Am I right? Right? Okay. So, it's saying don't do that. Instead, look at verse number four, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands. Now, that word admonish has really kind of, has a negative connotation for us. But really what it means is to encourage through advice of I'm not telling you what to do, but something that might help in this situation is X. That's what that is talking about. It's not a finger-wagging you know, type of thing. It is encouraging through advice. Now, I understand that this is 2020, and verses 3 through 5, when it's talking to women to love your husbands and put your family first and you know that sort of thing, may seem kind of sexist for somebody who... Maybe hearing this like, oh, no, I'm a, I'm a modern woman. I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. Let me remind you, and if you, have, if you are taking notes, go ahead and jot these in the, the, on your notes or in your Bible. Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, verse 9. Ephesians 5, 21 through chapter 6, verse 9. But also Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. All of that says what is being said here. So in other words, we have three New Testament examples for women saying, here's what God's design is for you. Let me read it again. This is Titus chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 3 through 5. It says, the older women likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, love their children, to be discreet, chaste homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Do you see how that could be considered sexist in America in 2020? Yeah. Again, 
the culture going versus the Word of God, those are going to clash every single time. Why? Because when we talk about submission to God, that takes us, it, it makes us swallow our pride and submit ourselves to the Lord, whereas in the, the world, in culture, says, no, no, I'm number one. I'm the most important thing. I don't have to bow down to anyone. But I digress. Let me, thank you, Tom. Uh, let's look at verse number six. It says, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. Now, this is a really good thing because what this is doing, I, I like to, to do in other words. In other words, what Paul is saying, it says, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. Really, what this means is to take life seriously, to live wisely. So for us who have young children or children here at the church in the, like the youth program, this is what Jesse and Jessica are going to be doing with these young people. They're going to be encouraging them to take life seriously, to live sober-mindedly, to live wisely. Now, here's the best part about this. Look at verse number seven. I absolutely love how this is said. It says, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. Now, reading that, depending on, on which translation you're looking at, you may kind of gloss over that and be like, okay, yeah, makes sense. The Greek word for this, when it says to pattern yourself, is the Greek word tupos, T-U-P-O-S. And I want you to think about this. In Washington, D.C., you have the United States Treasury. What they do is they make money. They make printed money, but they also make coin. Coin money, I guess, coins. So what they do is they start out with the you know, mixture of metals and all of that kind of stuff. Then you have a stamp, boom, coming down. It makes an impression on that coin that will not be rubbed away unless you do you know, something like sandpaper. So you can carry around that coin in your pocket for 20 years. It may rub off just a little bit, but you're still going to pull that out and say, you know what, that's a dime right there because that impression is so strong in that metal. That's the same Greek word right here, tupos, which I think is a phenomenal, phenomenal name for a ministry. It means to cast a die in someone's life, metaphorically. So let's look at verse number eight. What does that look like? Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. So what is our job? This is awesome, all of this stuff that, that we're reading. What does this mean for me? So, understanding verse number seven, that we are to show ourselves a pattern for good works. I've got three very, very simple points here. Number one, the importance of perfect, uh, let me try that again, importance of personal holiness, not perfection. 
Like I said, if you're looking for a perfect church, you're not going to find it here. You may find one down the street, I don't know, but you're not going to find a perfect church. So when we look at this, the young people, younger, not just by age, but by spiritual level, they should not be looking at us as perfection because we're not. So when we hold our leadership, and I'm I'm talking in the family as well as in the church, when we hold our leadership to a high standard, they do have influence over us. Now, if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, I had you guys hold up an OK symbol and put it on your chin like that. Remember, everybody fell for it, including me, the very first time I heard that. Why? Because like the, the old saying, I grew up with two brothers, so my parents said this a lot, monkey see, monkey do. People do what you do, they don't do what you say. Now, they may do what you say, but they are going to model themselves after you. So when we talk about personal holiness, that is us seeking out the Lord, understanding that he is going to shape us and mold us how he sees fit through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To where if we walk around like we are all just a bunch of perfect Christians, we just get together on Sunday mornings, that sort of thing, that's not true. Because every Christian struggles, every Christian is not perfect. So we need to stop acting like we are. And I'm going to get on my soapbox because I actually have one here. Uh, When we talk about coming to church, churches all across this country, all across the state and this county are, are filled with people who are like, yeah, having such a great day. We didn't have a fight, a knockdown drag out fight on the way to church or anything like that. We're good about hiding behind that mask. We're good about, I had a, uh, one of my old pastors used to call them church faces. We're good about putting those on in the parking lot, coming in, worshiping together for an hour, hour and a half. And then once we get out, we take that mask off because we don't want to show any kind of weakness around people. But I'm telling you, when we look at this particular passage, we need to really amplify the importance of personal holiness, not perfection. And that goes from the leadership down. And others are watching us, good or bad. Others are watching us. And the last thing is it is hypocritical to say one thing and to do another. For example, if I were to get up here and say, don't go, you know, I'm I'm just going to pick on one at random. Christians should not drink. If I stand in this pulpit and say, Christians shouldn't drink, drinking is bad, don't do it, you know, it's just, it's bad. And then later on today, whoops, we bump carts at the liquor store. Did y'all know liquor stores have carts? I'm not going to tell you how I know that, but just simply to say that at least in Texas, they have shopping carts in the liquor stores. Uh, Say what you want about that. Out in the parking lot. There you go. Yeah. But if we bump into each other at the liquor store, both reach for that bottle. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Didn't, weren't you just preaching this morning about the dangers of alcohol? Yet here you are drinking. You are saying 
put that on your chin like that. So in other words, do as I do, not as I say. So when we talk about personal holiness, it is not about perfection. And Eric brought up a very, very good point. That's why there's not one singular leader at this church. There is a plurality up here at this church. Why? Because Tom may fail, but there's four others that can pick up that slack. I may fail. There's four others that can pick up that slack. It's not holding one person, elevating them, making them because there is influence that people have, especially in leadership. So the first point, the importance of personal holiness, not perfection. Number two, the importance of discipleship. And I have said this before, and I'm going to say it again today. If you are not discipling someone and being discipled, I encourage you to do so. Why? Because I've always heard it explained this way. Breathing in is like having knowledge. Breathing out is having wisdom. So you can get, get, get here at this church. What are you doing? You're breathing it all in. What are you doing to breathe out? Now, it may be that you may be an older person in your walk with Christ. There may be someone who is newer who is looking for something like that, saying, I don't know where to start. I want that. I need someone to teach me to dive a little bit deeper into the Word, but I don't know where to start. Maybe you're a little bit timid. I encourage you to contact one of the elders. You can contact the church office. Even if you're watching online, contact us. You can send us a message. We can help find people with that. Now, it may be the reverse of that. You may have someone Harrison's age who can mentor an older person in the things of the Lord. See, once we get to a certain age, we don't stop learning. We always continue to learn. So discipleship works both ways. So I encourage you to do that, to be discipled and also to disciple someone else. And again, I'm, I'm going to say this again. If you want that, if you're looking for that, if that has, is something that the Lord has placed on your heart that I need to get a little bit more serious about this, I want to learn more, I want to, to do that, please contact one of the elders, myself, the church office. We will get you taken care of. But again, don't expect perfection. Do not expect perfection. Expect someone striving for personal holiness. And also, the last point on this one, uh, on point number two, is be ready to extend grace. I'm going to say that again. Be ready to extend grace. Because guess what? Everybody messes up. Everybody makes mistakes. So what we want to do is we want to extend that grace. Be ready to do that. The last point that I want to talk about here, point number three, the importance of following God's design for the family and a sound church. And I'm using those terms interchangeably. 
a sound church and a family because they are the same things. Now, here's something that may kind of get your attention. The purpose of church is to reiterate what is being taught in the home. You can hear a pin drop right now. I'm going to say that again. Church reiterates what is supposed to be taught in the home. Not just in here, but back there with those young people as well in our youth program. Now, is that always the case? No. There may be someone out there who you know or maybe somebody who is watching who neither one of their parents are saved. Their grandparents are not saved. They don't know what it means to learn the Bible at home. And so they come here to the church. This is where they get their primary fuel, spiritual fuel. But the reason I bring that up is because when we are looking at Titus chapter 2, we have our marching orders, men and women. We are supposed to be doing certain things. Now, it may not be your immediate family. It may be a neighbor that you are helping, that neighbor who uh, doesn't really know. Uh, maybe he grew up without a father, and you're helping him you know, to learn certain things. By the way, I saw a video I don't know the guy's name, but it's a guy on YouTube. He grew up without a father. And so he had to learn all of these things the hard way, how to essentially be a man. So what he does is he makes these YouTube instructional videos for young men who have not had a father in their lives. Things that a lot of us take for granted, like how to shave. So what he'll do is he'll set up his camera and say, okay, here's what you do. You get some of the lather, you do this, and then you put it all over your face. And then what you do is you go down. Like it is a step-by-step instructional on how to do this. He also does things like how to tie a tie. A lot of us had a father who was able to teach us how to do that. But we take a lot of this stuff for granted. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is when we look at what Titus chapter 2 tells us to do, it may not be your son, it may not be your child, but each of us have a part to play in modeling ourselves to be someone that that person looks up to. All of this has to happen in order for the church Again, we are the church, not this building, for us, the church, to be successful. All of this has to happen. So men, I'm going to read one more time our marching orders, and this applies to the women as well, that older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. I'm also going to jump down to verse number six. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, to take life seriously. Now, women, let me read verses 3 through 5 again. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So if you're a man hearing my voice, 
That is what we're supposed to do. Let me read verse 7 again. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. Everything that we do should be a pattern for the younger generation to follow. Amen? Let me continue in verse number 7. Showing yourself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, in teaching, that's what that word means, good teaching, showing integrity. What does integrity mean? I've, I've always heard it explained this way. If you want to see the true character of someone, watch them do something when they think no one is watching, when no one is looking. And I, I've seen uh, CEOs that, or a, a board of directors at a Fortune 500 company, they're interviewing CEOs. I've heard that some of them will take them out to lunch. How they treat a waiter or waitress determines who they really are. Because again, church faces, those masks that we wear, exist in the real world as well, not just in church. So anyone can put on a good front for 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, whatever. But what these people do is they will take a, a CEO candidate out to lunch. How they treat that waiter, that person who really doesn't have a huge impact on their lives, how they treat them determines who they truly are in their heart. So before we close in prayer, I want to encourage you to do two things. Number one, read through the first 10 verses of Titus every day this week. And when you pray, say, Lord, help me to be this Titus 2 man. Help me to be this Titus 2 woman. I want to be what your word tells me to be. That should be our desire. Now, we may not get there up here, but we can get there through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? Okay, the second thing, since I do have a soapbox, it's a very nice soapbox too. Tuesday is going to be a big day. Here's what we're going to encourage you to do. Three things. Educate yourself. Pray. And go vote. Go vote. See, Whitney and I were smart. When we had the pouring rain this week, we went over to Arvis Ballpark in the soaking rain, which the one day she left the umbrella at school, we were soaking wet, but there was no line. We walked right in, walked right out, did our civic duty. Those three things, educate yourself on the issues and the candidates, pray, go vote. Go vote. Everyone who's watching online, go vote. So those two things, those are your marching orders for this week. Every day, pray about Titus chapter 2. Be that Titus 2 man. Be that Titus 2 woman. Number two, get out and go vote. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that your word laid it out plainly and clearly for us. Father, that we have our marching orders. And Father, we just ask that we humble ourselves enough 
to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, to make us to where being a Titus 2 man and a Titus 2 woman becomes paramount in our lives each and every day. Father, that we are not perfect. Jesus is perfect. But Father, we have a desire to help the next generation. And so, Lord, I just ask that you get us out of our comfort zone when it comes to that. Father, the desire for us to serve you and to serve others is already there in our hearts. Lord, sometimes we just need a prompting. And so, Lord, we just ask that you prompt us, that you prod us this week, that we strive to be better, that we strive for personal holiness because it is in our heart, because you first showed us grace in the form of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we want to extend that grace to others. We want to show that love that you first showed us. And Father, we want to make the church, which is not the physical building, we want the church to be successful. And us patterning ourselves after good works is a desire that we have. And Father, we do all of it for your glory, not for our own. We thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.